Thank you, my God, it was beautiful. Is that, is that something famous by a famous composer? Is this an original one I can work with? Just, oh my goodness. Just let my spirit flow through you. That's amazing. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Johnny. Welcome to the Unity Center for Positive Living. We're glad you could join us this morning, especially if it's your first time being here. And now I'd like to read to you from today's daily word. Oh, for Sunday, September 17th, it's all about joy. The affirmation is God's joy blesses each day of my life. The aroma of my favorite foods from childhood brings a happy memory to mind. Hearing the voice of a dear one warms my heart. Looking upon a newborn's face for even the first time evokes a feeling words can't describe. While the giddy excitement of a child's joy may now be a memory, the joy I know today still delights me. Each day I embrace more completely the joy of knowing I am a living expression of God. God's life lives as me. God's wisdom is within me, my guide to a deepening understanding of myself and the world around me. The love I share with people who are dear to me is God's love, living in each heart and expressing as each of us. What greater joy could there be? And from the Bible, very simple. Rejoice always. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Now, for sharing the presence, please join us in singing while the Merker family leads us. We'll give her a slideshow about her second. There she goes. say our opening statement together. There is only one presence and one power active as the universe and as my life. God the good. Now it's time for a welcoming song. Please feel free to stand up while the Merker family leads us in our welcoming song. I've heard this pronounced two ways, Jare or Jire. How do you pronounce this, Michael? Jire. Um, Jaira, Jaira, and and don't sit down afterwards because we're going to run around and greet each other. <laughs> 
Oh, wonderful. Rishi used to say, welcome to the South Pearl Street Social Club. <laughs> but now it's time for announcements. Now, Joanne is sending out a regular email every week with notices and details of regular events, like for grandfather's teachings and Dr. Daria's circle book and film club discussions, which will be on the fourth Sunday this month at three o'clock, and we'll be finishing um, the documentary Deconstructing Karen, which was available on Hulu, but now you can get it on YouTube. And I, I want to encourage everyone to go and, and watch that and, and perhaps come and join us. And if you would like to make an announcement, please raise your hand. Penny? I just want to remind folks that we did, did have these name tags. I don't know what's left back there, but uh, it's helpful for newcomers to know who you are. I do not know whose name is left back there, if there are any. I might, might check into that project. Well, Susan? Uh, the next two Sundays, we have an opportunity for two people to be readers. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, let me know. Otherwise, I'll call you up. <laughs> Tom, did you have an announcement? Grandfather, did you have an announcement to make? Before I make my announcement, I wanted to say I have many fond, sacred memories of those 14 years that I was your guest speaker on the third Sunday of every month. You are my family, my Christian family. I love you. My announcement on the second Sunday of next month, October, at two o'clock in the afternoon in the Longhouse, I'll be having a very special event that you would all enjoy. The entire event will be drumming and singing, drumming and singing. Bring your drum, bring a joyful heart, and come to experience a lot of fun and pleasure that afternoon. The second Sunday of October at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so second Sunday. So that will be the 8th, October 8th at Bear Raven. Okay, wonderful. Any other announcements? Anyone on Zoom with an announcement? Welcome. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on. Now it's time for our unity statement. Uh, please join us. We'll say our unity statement together. We believe in our oneness with all life and the power of love. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others, revealing the one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness in God. 
And now it's time for our song of joy. Please feel free to stand on up if you like, as the Merker family leads us in Blessed Always. Musicians come up to read, but today our reading will be given by Joyce. <laughs> wow, it's so nice to see. I want to count everybody. There's so many people here. That is so awesome. And Zoomers. So that's that's really nice. So I'm going to read from you the book from the book uh, The Simple Truth by um, Mary Alice Jafala. And of course, if I'm reading, I usually read about love. So this one's love holds the world together. Love is everywhere in everything. Some people say that love is a universal glue. Love is the strongest attracting power in all creation. It binds us all together as one great and marvelous union, all part of the one God. God is love. And this love pulls us all toward our true Christian selves, making us more and more like God. It is love that holds together the molecules of iron to make them into a frying pan. And it is love that holds the planets in their orbits and us in our forms as human beings. Love is everywhere. Love at all times. But sometimes we humans use our ability to love only at certain times and on certain people. 
We feel we can love only those people who love us or who are the same as we are. But this is not using our wonderful power of love in the correct way. The truth is that everyone is like us because we are all united as part of God. The same God that is in you is in every other person, no matter how it may seem to be otherwise. If we are going to live the way God designed us to, we will have to love everyone. To love less than that is not to love God. It is important to always keep our attention on the Christ nature of each person, not on outer appearances. Our love should go to everyone. When we let the warmth of our love flow out from us in a complete circle, we touch everyone with it, and the world becomes a better place. We meet each person Christ to Christ and automatically let our love reach them. To love in God's way, we have to let it flow freely, not withholding it from anyone. Think of the people in your life whom you love the most. Feel the love which fills you when you think of these people. It's a good and wonderful feeling, isn't it? Well, this is the feeling we should have for all people. We need to love the person who took something from us just as much as we love our best friend. This may seem difficult to do, but when you realize that everyone wants to be loved and that everything he does is his way of crying out for that love, you begin to feel your own love moving in his direction. It takes a lot of practice to love everybody, but this is the way God loves us, and it is the way he desires us to be, too. Love is a mighty magnet. Whatever we love, we attract into our lives. If we love God, we will attract goodness. Eventually, each of us will have to realize that he is part of everyone else, and he must love everyone because we are all one. What are you loving? Are you holding your love back in places? Try letting it beam out in a complete circle like a candle or a bright light falling on everyone and everything in its path. People will notice your radiance and will love you in return. You're a school teacher, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> school teacher, school teacher, school teacher, school teacher, school teacher. We've got a bunch of school teachers here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joyce. A wonderful reading about unconditional love. Don't let conditions dictate how you feel, folks. Now it's time for a meditation song. Please relax and join us as the Merkur family reads us in Agure Name. Mm -hmm.
And now it's time for our speaker. As most of you know, we are privileged to have a different speaker each Sunday of the month. This Sunday, we are extremely privileged to have licensed unity teacher Marriott Jones all the way here from Ontario, Canada, to tell us about the mysticism of Thomas Berry. Okay. Here I am. So, uh, with a show of hands, who has yearned for a deeper connection with nature than you have right now? Right? So, um, I was on retreat um, the beginning of July. And it was a nature, one week nature retreat, and I got to go deep. And this is what I bring to you is the wisdom that I learned on that one week retreat. It was called the theme. If, if I, if were I, to, this is how it goes, were I to say how much I love the earth. Those are words of Carolyn McDade, writer and, and songwriter and, and musician. I don't know if you've heard of her, Mike, or if anyone's heard of her. Carolyn McDade, she's wonderful. She sings about nature and um, feminism, women power and beautiful things like this. So even if you already have an intimate relationship with the divine found in nature and all the universe, there can be so much static interfering with our spiritual connection. Do you not find this? Living in the city with so much tarred over, so much pavement, tarred over the green and the soil our busy lives that we lead, our prescribed societal responsibilities that we're born into, the shoulds, the productivity that we think is the utmost importance. Should I really be relaxing right now? Don't I have something to do? Days and weeks can go by before we have enjoyed a drink from the deep well of nature, which is one and the same with our nature. Did you know that you are nature? Hands up for how many people here knew they are nature? We are an integral part of whether we are, we are an integral part of all that is, whether we are aware of it or not. Always and everywhere, it is the universe that holds all things together and is the primary activating power in every activity. Has anybody heard of Brian Swim? No, another good name in, uh, in the nature world.
So that's Thomas Berry, um, that was his quote. So Gail and I, um, this, this is my friend Gail Orsello, and she led the retreat that I went on. And she is a passionist nun. Thomas Berry is a passionist priest, was a passionist priest when he was alive. He's passed over now. Um, she was mentored by Thomas Berry himself. And um, she, she goes on teaching and, and sharing his wisdom. So I met her when I was in licensed unity training. I met her at Upland Hills, Michigan. Um, it's a rural area. There's a Benedictine monastery there where we held conscious teachers retreats. And that was part of my practicum training for licensed unity teacher that I chose. Um, unity accepted that as part of my practicum. And it went much farther in, in depth and wisdom than, than what Unity had actually um, required of us because I actually went on six retreats over the span of two years. Yeah. And there was, there was actually, yeah, it was really great. Um, and she, she led a couple of them, Gail, and taught us a lot of what um, she knows about the mysticism of being one with nature. Doing the dance with nature. And um, so I was thrilled when I went on a weekend retreat at the beginning of June to find out that Gail Marcello was coming to um, Jericho House in Canada. Um, it's a place called Port Colburn, about four and a half drive from my house. And I was thrilled to know she was coming and so I just decided on the spot that I was going to come back the next month and be with her for a week and there we are. We'll go to the next slide now. So let me tell you about Thomas Berry. Thomas Berry was born in 1914 and made his transition in 2009. And he grew up in a large family in the American South where Catholics were a tiny minority. His father worked on the railways, which is how the family came to be living amidst an overwhelming Protestant community in Greensboro, North Carolina. He learned how to live successfully as an outsider. He told Paul Collins, an interviewer that was interviewing him at one point, that from early childhood, he was profoundly attached to the natural world with a clear sense of his oneness with the world around him. Thomas Berry would later summarize his regard of the natural world in this way. We lose our souls if we lose the experience of the forest, the butterflies, the song of the birds, if we can't see the stars at night. Very trained as a cultural historian after entering the Passionist Order, 
And as his many obituaries note, his interest and expertise were diverse. While he was in the seminar, he taught himself, or not taught himself, he learned Sanskrit from others. Oh, no, wait, I did have that right. He taught himself Sanskrit. That's amazing. This guy was really like genius. He was attracted to China and Confucianism in particular, but also to other Eastern religions. This is a Catholic priest, people, and, and Eastern philosophies, and he studied and wrote on them assiduously. Barry was also an expert on Native American tradition and spirituality. His academic career is well documented, teaching at a number of uh, smaller Catholic universities in the greater New York area. And he ended up at Fordham, the Jesuit University in the Bronx. It was there that he began to form a group of key relationships with students and people who would subsequently promote his teachings, including Brian Swim and Mary Evelyn Tucker. He is the author of many important books, which give us his ideas and insights about what we need to do to save ourselves by saving the planet and its inhabitants that we share the planet with. His teachings, ideas, and thoughts are revolutionary for this culture, this industrial culture. I believe that they hold the key to understanding how to find our way back home to a sense of belonging. We have that longing. That was the first question I asked you. A longing for belonging. Belonging with our planet Earth Mother and beyond, with the universal creative force that brought all that is into being. And you know, we're newcomers on the block. The plants and animals came first. We need to learn from them. And that's his point, and Gail's point is, we need to learn from them, not the other way around. Let's go to the next slide. He said the universe is a communion of subjects not a collection of objects. What does that mean to you? Does anybody have a thought on that? The universe is a communion of subjects. Communion of subjects, not a collection of objects. It is not here. It, it is not. It is not um, what what I think, but it is about what is going on everywhere. Thank you. It is not about what you think, but it is about what is going on everywhere. Right. Let me ask. Tell me a bit more about that. Is like a do you mean like a cre a creative um, thought, like a collective thought energy that's going on everywhere? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So wisdom that's beyond 
our own thoughts that we're part of. What does that mean to you? That they're interrelated um, instead of like individualized. I think a collection of objects is really individualized and no um, meaning between. But the community, um, communion of subject, we're interrelated and um, it's that one by going through everything. There's a oneness to that communion of subjects and the word subjects, that's like, says so much about a consciousness within that individual rather than an object which is to be used and doesn't necessarily have a mind of its own. Does that make sense? Always interconnecting with each and every one, sharing information, new information that flows from the universe down into our soul and delivering all that, that which is needed for each and every one to share and to grow. Thank you, Terry. Is there somebody else I heard? Bill? I would say that it's family, because you look at that picture and you got from babies to older to grandfather. It, it's a, you know, and that's just one family. And you take all the other families and other animals and, and and us people, and it's you know it, we're all one. That's beautiful, Phil. Family. Grandfather. I love what you're talking to us about your love for the earth, and that's pure Native American spirituality. But it's backed up by the Bible in numerous different ways. One, Paul is writing his epistle to the Romans, chapter one, verse 20, says everything, everything that can be known about God, even his eternal power that God had, can be known. How? Through the things that are made, the four-leggeds, the wings, the swimmers, the crawlers, the green people, the cedar, the fur, the, the stone people, and we are made in the image of God. So if God, if the eagle is the most powerful, most majestic of the birds of the air, and the, it's a symbol, a spirit symbol of the eagle, the most, the most powerful, majestic of the birds, it's a symbol of the most powerful, majestic of all the spirits, God the creator and we're made in the image of god so we must be eaglets <laughs> <laughs> eaglets indeed thank you very much for telling me about your insights and we learn from each other In the book Braiding Sweetgrass, author Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about her own journey of following her desire to become a botanist, or I think you say botanist. To the story, I'm, I'm going to tell you 
tell you the story of Robin applying to attend university. Her question, the truth was, she, when she was applying for university, she was talking to the interviewer and he was like, so why do you want to apply? And she said she wanted to know why the flowers, purple aster, and the goldenrod were so beautiful growing together. That's not science, was the answer to that. Um, but that was her desire. And it turns out it was a very scientific question. And after educating herself in mainstream, um, the educational system, and connecting back to her indigenous wisdom, which is a science of its own, she realized that indeed her question was very scientific. As it turns out, both the human eye and the eye of the bee are attracted to the combination of yellow and purple. So aster is purple and goldenrod is yellow and the rods in our eyes, our human eyes, any artist will tell you that those are complementary colors on the palette, right, Susan? And the bee agrees. So the bee, um, those two colors, they will go there first. Um, so the flowers grow together to attract that. It's a win-win. Yeah. This is what we humans are being invited to emulate, the dance of reciprocity and collaboration with our fellow inhabitants on Earth. And not just the animals, but the plants, the water, the air, the soil, the oil and minerals beneath the Earth. Oh yes, I have this little story um, about Robin Walls Kimmerer. She tells a story about um, another botanist deep in the, the jungle of the Amazon who had hired a guide, an indigenous guy who knew what he was doing. And when the indigenous guide was saying, naming, helping him find the plants that the botanist was looking for and naming them one by one, the um, botanist was like, well, young man, you know what your plants are all, what each one is named. You're very good at this. And the um, guide said, yes, I have learned the names of the plants, the scientific names of the plants. I have yet to learn their song. So how many of you have hugged a tree? Talk to your plants. How about meditating with a rock? Okay, all right. So you have been communicating in interspecies communication. Oh, there's, there's the slide of the purple and yellow for you. Interspecies communication. <laughs> Interspecies connection and communication is something that Thomas Berry practiced and talked about, taught and wrote. It's a way we can begin to break the ice 
so to speak, to dissolve that sense of separation with the natural world. Start talking and listening. While Gail and I and others were on retreat, she befriended this little snail, Swirl, she named it, and I befriended a little green spider. So we went on this um, medicine walk, and what a medicine walk is, the one that we did, um, you walk through the forest for a long time, an hour or two hours, and you meditatively walk and intuitively walk and pay attention to everything that you encounter. And when you encounter something, you let it speak to you, you listen, and you may um, talk to it or ask a question. And a lot of times you bring a question with you on your walk, and you learn from everything around you. And I learned on this retreat that actually it's important to ask permission before you pick a flower, take a rock, um, talk to, ask this being, is, is this okay if I, you know, touch you, if I, are you open? Bringing a sense of reverence instead of ownership to what we own, supposedly, you know, because there's been some um, false ideas about, you know, somehow that we are superior to the plants and animals and the earth and that we're in charge. And we want to let that go and practice reverence and humility and be open to learning. and. That medicine walk taught me so much. I came away with a lot of wisdom given to me by a little green spider. And as I walked along, I kept walking into webs. And I'm like, okay, I'm being embraced by webs. <laughs> like, and I even had an encounter with a little mosquito that I gently um, asked to leave me. And I kind of encouraged it to leave me. And so it went over on a leaf and it took and found a bit of sun and a bit of water. And I'm like, okay, even a mosquito needs to rest and have a sip of water. So that was uh, really life transforming to fall deeper in love with all that is and to understand the word numinous. Numinous is a word that Thomas Berry used. And it, its meaning is to um, is that numinous talks about divinity, especially localized within a being. So we're going to get to that. So P. Horsley says, "I've always been an animal lover, yet I didn't." start consciously communicating with animals until 2004. It's never too late to start. Now, of course, my perspective is different 
And it baffles me why everyone isn't communicating with animals and living their life in deep connection with other species. Did you know that, that you can communicate with animals? It's, it's all new to me. Thomas Berry observed that we are only talking to ourselves. We are not talking to the rivers. We are not listening to the wind and stars. We have broken the great conversation. By breaking that conversation, we have shattered the universe. All of the disasters that are happening now are a consequence of that spiritual autism. Interesting word, autism. Okay, so wait a second. Um, I think because actually I'm running out of time, I think I'm going to email this video. It's a six minute video, and I'll email it to everybody so that they can uh, watch it. But it's about animal communication. Here's, here's what I was telling you about um, the numinous. Here's a quote that Thomas Berry said, be willing to recognize the numinous, divine quality of every earthly reality. The mission of all present and future generations is to establish more profound ways of mutual presence and intersubjective communion. There's that word again, intersubjective communion with all of reality. The video that I was going to show you is the work of Anna Breitenbach, who is also an animal communicator. And the thing that I really got from it when I watched it um, she encourages you to look at, um, like they, they have a, a goldfish bowl with a goldfish in it, and she's, they've, they've got that in the video, and she says, now imagine you're inside the body of this goldfish, and like, okay, now what does the room look like from the eyes of the goldfish? And, and so you really like, she goes, this is a good beginning to start really like tapping into um, what it's like from the other side that we don't get to see, how things look 
from the fish's eyes, open ourselves up so that we can be available to communicate. And then she goes, you go from there to being able to sense the thoughts and feelings of that fish, its needs, its, yeah. So we've heard the saying, walk a mile in my shoes. So um, that's what we do with the animals and the creatures and the beings. Let's, let's walk a mile in their shoes. So we drop the error belief in the collective consciousness of which we are a part, that there's some kind of hierarchical order to the universe with some beings being lesser than others. And that's clearly egoic thought, which has gotten us into trouble over and over again for centuries. And now we try on for size in a revolutionary radical way, the new thought that we are a network of beings that can communicate with each other, that we are profoundly interconnected with each other and interdependent. We truly need each other. So let's take that back to heart. Take it really seriously and change our thinking, change our ways. The mission, I'm gonna read it again, the mission of all present and future generations is to establish more profound ways of mutual presence for intersubjective communion with all reality. What does this mean? This means we need to take time and have to pause. Productivity isn't important. Sitting with a bug is. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, Thomas Berry, Gail Marcello, they, they say, you know, well, yeah, we're good with like um, communion with, with animals and, and creatures of all kinds, except when it comes to insects, right? <laughs> mm. So a necessary first step to practice mutual presence with other beings is to quiet the mind. We can pick up their thoughts and feelings and messages more clearly, more successfully when our channel is clear. And so that's, that's something to think about, you know, when we take time to be in nature, it's just like take a few breaths and just relax your whole body and make an intention Okay, now I'm going to enjoy some intersubjective communion and make an intention and, and go do that. And, and then come home and just write a few notes of the wisdom you've received and, and say thank you. So um, that, with that, we're going to move into meditation. And so just taking that deep breath. And perhaps thinking of your most favorite being, that animal, that rock, that shell, whatever is sacred that you have perhaps at home by your bedside table your spirit animal, that tree, the expanse of sky, whatever it is that you want to bring into your heart, your grateful heart right now, go ahead and, and do that.
I'm just taking another cleansing breath. Just let yourself fall in to your deep interior, into the essence of what you are. You are that. You are one with that. You are nature. So just take two minutes to go into the silence. Coming back, grateful, realizing gratitude and wisdom. Thank you, God. Great, thank you, Mary. Okay, now it's time for our offering. While we're together in spirit, physically and virtually, we want to thank everyone who has donated to Unity by mail. We appreciate any checks sent to the church at 800 South Pearl Street, Centralia 98531. You can also donate online by clicking on the donation page on our website, unityofcentralia.net. Thank you, Tom. As we hold our offering in our hands and hearts, let's say our offering prayer together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, all that I receive, and all that I am. We lost our musicians. Feel free to tinkle the ivories if you want to. <laughs> Go look at that, see?
And now let's all say our blessing of thanks together. We bless these gifts and send them forth to heal, bless, and prosper. They are evidence of our faith and belief. They do good work in the world and return to us multiplying abundantly. Yep. And now it's time for a healing prayer. Members of our community have requested we send out healing prayers and energy to the people of our communities who must deal with basic human needs while living without a home. I'd like to send out our collective healing energy to all of the plants and all of the animals and all of nature out there. And if you'd like to focus your collective group healing energy for someone, shout out their name, speak it quietly, focus upon them in imagination. If you're on Zoom and you wish to, unmute, tell us who it is, you wish first great. How about John? I hear. My son, Chris. Beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for all and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen. It's time for a prayer of protection. Let's all say our prayer of protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. Now I'd like to take a moment to thank all of you who made our Sunday service possible. We deeply appreciate all the ways you give of your time, talent, and treasure. And if you're interested in serving, please speak to Susan during fellowship. Like she said, maybe you want to be a reader. Maybe you want to be a service leader. Maybe you want to make a slideshow. Just let her know. She'll hook you up. And please stay with us after service for fellowship downstairs. And next week, please join us when Licensed school teacher Eileen Selleck, right there, will be our speaker. And now it's time for the big school. And we've got more people than we've had here in a while. So today, when we form our circle, let's form our circle around these twos over here. And that way, Penny and John can stay right there and they don't have to move anywhere. We're not all going to fit in the middle like we usually do.
fortunate to go down to Coos Bay and do a service with Tate and John's church down there, oh, Unity wow. Church. It was awesome. And they all send they send their regards to everybody. And they, we took some pictures that I'll get up on the slideshow. 